We got snow and we got a lot of traffic. We got that funeral for the police officer, uh, Jason Rivera. It just ended a little while ago. A massive, massive turnout by law enforcement and um, a lot of other people. So, uh, well, wait a second. It was awake at the church? All right. No, I, I, everyone's saying it's the funeral, pal. I think it's the funeral. Yeah, this was the funeral. But, um, and actually, I, uh, yeah, this was the funeral. And for Jason Rivera and Wilbert Mora's funeral will be next week. So um, we have the brother of Jason Rivera who spoke just a little while ago. Uh, again, this is the police officer who was shot and killed one week ago tonight up in Harlem. Cut 47. He was so ahead of his time, so ahead of his time. He knew there was only two things he knew for certain since he was a baby. He knew what he wanted to do for the rest of his life, and he knew who he wanted to be with for the rest of his life. Those are the only two things he knew. And he's only 22 years old, already married, and he leaves behind his wife. She spoke, cut 48. Today I'm still in this nightmare that I wish I never had. Full of rage and anger, hurt and sad, torn. Although I gained thousands of blue brothers and sisters, I'm the loneliest without you. Wow. So uh, what can you say? What are we going to say? What's going to happen next? Actually, let's see here. Pat Lynch, the PBA president, cop, uh, he spoke as well. Let's see. uh, Cut 46. If he can think he can change the world, well, then we're going to change the world with him and for him. All right. Well, how are we going to do that? Uh, You know what I think? I think the uh, violence, the uptick in violence, uptick, spike, ridiculous, the, the rage we're seeing against cops has been fomenting and encouraged for years by the left. It went into overdrive in 2020. And I hate to say it, but Eric Adams had a role in all of this. Okay, He made his career in the police department, not fighting crime, but talking down about the police department, about creating division where there was no division. And so many people on the left did the same thing. And you saw those pictures People are yelling at cops, getting right in their faces, and how that was all glorified. This is a manifestation of all that. And now you see a cop. You don't see necessarily a legitimate uh, arm of the government. No. Some people see, oh, you guys, I saw you on the news. You're horrible. You're racist. Uh, you need to be canceled and defunded and abolished. That's That has taken hold in a huge portion of the community, uh, people who don't want to address the real problems. Just blame cops. Just blame cops. Well, anyway, I'm uh, really heartened, impressed, blown away, actually, by the turnout. I, I, there's always a big turnout, but maybe it's been a long time that I can remember a, a funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral, you know, um, that was like this. So uh, I'm talking to my dad in a little bit. He was there along with other former commissioners, the present commissioner, uh, and thousands of cops, present, former, and a lot of concerned New Yorkers, people from across the country. And that's uh, that's good, and that's 
appropriate. All right, what are they saying at the Pentagon? Now, I don't understand what the fight is right now. Joe Biden is on the phone with President Zelensky of Ukraine saying, you guys are going to be invaded right away. You better be uh, on alert. And the president of Ukraine is like, relax, Joe, we've been through this before. Uh, All right, there's the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. He came out of hiding. This is the guy who helped lose Afghanistan. What's he saying now, please? Our national security interest in response to Russian actions. And two, we will stay united with our NATO allies. Earlier this week, I spoke with my Polish counterpart. Yesterday, I spoke with my Romanian counterpart. And this morning, I had two very good conversations with my counterparts in France and Germany. And? As we've made clear, in addition to the significant economic and diplomatic costs that Russia will incur, a move on Ukraine will accomplish the very thing Russia says it does not want. What? NATO? A NATO NATO alliance strengthened and resolved on its western flank. Hmm. The United States will contribute to NATO's response forces, and we will coordinate with our NATO allies. We will make sure that they have the capabilities that they need to defend themselves. All right. You know, these words would be more, um, they'd be more powerful. They'd hold more sway. If we didn't lose Afghanistan, if we didn't lose Afghanistan, that's the problem. China was watching. uh, Vladimir Putin was watching. And oh, by the way, major story in the New York Post about the Bidens and China and Hunter and all that business, all those shenanigans that he was pulling. Um, You know, to their advantage, this stuff becomes very, very confusing with this LLC and this Chinese name and that Ukrainian businessman. A lot of people can't keep them straight, and they know that. That's to their advantage. They actually also, it works not in their favor when they're going after Trump, the whole Russia collusion thing, which is a big phony fiasco anyway. But it got very confusing for the people watching at home. January 6th is something they think they can really sink their teeth into. Aha, people can follow this, right? It makes sense. Mm, We can follow it, and that's why people aren't outraged. That's why people understand that we're being lied to about that. Hey, have you seen uh, the New York Post also? One other story. And you know what? The New York Post is probably the greatest newspaper in the world right now. Everybody else is afraid. The New York Times is afraid big time. The New York Times did a huge story on that Congress, uh, no, councilwoman who wrote that horrible tweet calling the NYPD a big gang of thugs. This is a new councilwoman, and she wants the NYPD abolished. Forget defunded. She wants them abolished. And she's been writing hateful things uh, on Twitter about the cops. And then two cops get shot in her district. Uh Uh-oh. So everyone's coming after her, except the New York Times. They spent a million words talking about her and leaving out that horrible tweet that made her such a newsworthy figure to begin with, that made her the subject of such ire. They leave that out. And you know why they left it out? Because I hate to be this crass. I hate to be this blunt. But the councilwoman is black, and the reporter is white, a white woman. Yeah, she doesn't want to be called a Karen, and they will whip that out faster than anything. If, if she gets on the case of a person of color, watch out. You know what happens. That whole, uh, it all kicks in. And did I do that last night on the show? Uh, let me get back to you on that. All right, in the meantime.
In the meantime, it's Friday and it's snowing like crazy. Now, what's the deal? Is it going to snow a major accumulation? People, you know, the weather report goes into overdrive. The weatherman's all over the place. Let's see here. I'll just go to my iPhone. Winter storm warning. Oh, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. It will snow. Only a 30% chance of snow. All right. Currently cloudy. What are we going to get here? Remember, I guess I need the weatherman to decode all this for me. I don't... Uh, National Winter Storm Warning for New York City, Manhattan. I heard somebody say there's going to be a lot of accumulation in Connecticut, Long Island, and uh, south of New Jersey. Not too much here in the city. So uh, not too much to worry about, although I never worry about the snow too much. That's what they do in in Washington, D.C. Oh, back to the New York Post. So you know they're flying migrants, illegal immigrants, all over the country from the southern border. They get in here illegally. They're getting on government-contracted planes, and they're being flown in the middle of the night, and they get out at places like in Westchester Airport, and they get on buses, and they are sent into the community. Why would they be doing this? And some of them, by the way, are going for very long bus trips to Pennsylvania, to Virginia. Why? Well, one of the greatest political minds in um, American politics, Dick Morris, told me that uh, this is as simple as getting more voters into swing states that they think will vote Democrat. How about that, huh? Talk about some sort of uh, silent coup, silent middle-of-the-night coup. This is, this is really happening, and nobody gives a damn. I've been talking about it. Rob Astorino, he's running for governor right now, former Westchester County executive. He's been the driving force finding out all about this stuff. You know, people have been coming to him there are cops in Westchester who like him. He foiled, basically officially demanded, and then got uh, body cam footage, and it's all there. These contractors are coming in saying, yeah, we are bringing these people in. Uh, Joe Biden wants this. Nobody else does. We can't tell you anything more. We're under strict orders. Um, I We, we have to thank um, Rob Astorino for making this happen. It should be the New York Times. Instead, the New York Times is too busy writing half-assed reports about that bigoted councilwoman in Harlem and leaving out all the good stuff. How could you write a big story about somebody like that and leave out the story? Uh, I don't get it. Do you? Meanwhile, it does seem like it's open season on police officers, coast to coast, not just here in New York City, but uh, let's see, Houston, Houston, Texas, a lot of bad stuff has been going down there. Cut 23. Yeah, um, sounded like cap guns, but it's uh, it's pretty intense. It's a video of a video. Uh, and it's so dishonest that people can't talk about the real problem, what's happening. The demonization of cops, the glorification of criminals... The total lack of accountability, quite frankly, in huge parts of the African-American community. Barack Obama was brave enough in 2008 to stand up and say, you know what? Too many fathers in our community are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL. Now what do we do? Hmm? You start talking about this, and God help you if you're a white woman, huh? Because this is how they'll treat you. Cut 26. This is yes. a typical case. 
of a white woman, white womaning, right? So we see the disrespect, we see the privilege. White women have taken an active role in the maintenance of white supremacy. When you're a white woman and you're a Republican, there's just certain stuff culturally that you don't know jack bleep about. And my advice to white women is, man your own goddamn business. Now, you know, some of those uh, people you just heard, some are white, some are black, some are people of color, some aren't, but they're all leftist lunatics. It's a corrupt way to view the world. Content of our character, not the color of our skin. Be right back. This is The Greg Kelly Show. You know, uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. I see Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense. I see General Milley. And I keep thinking Afghanistan. I think, I'm sorry, two great big losers. They got it all wrong. And I think they're getting it all wrong all over again. Remember Millie? I want to know about white rage Millie. Remember Millie? He's talking about uh, critical race theory when he should have been talking about uh, China and Russia. Remember the guy who got so horrified that he walked across the street with President Trump? He spent the next uh, three weeks apologizing which was all phony, by the way. He was just signaling to the swamp, I'm with you. I don't like this guy. Let's get him the hell out of here. And he put out that day. I want to hear Millie speak. Go ahead. Put him up. He's about to, he's about to talk again. We're focused on making sure that we do our part uh, to provide uh, president options to uh, support and reinforce NATO uh, if, in fact, uh, he does uh, make a decision uh, that to, uh, to invade uh, uh, Ukraine. And Helena, you know, does it feel different? Sure, it does feel different um, in terms of what we've seen in the past of Russian exercises, et cetera. Uh, this is larger in scale and scope uh, and the massing of forces than anything we have seen um, uh, in recent memory. And I think you'd have to go back quite a while into the Cold War days to see something of this magnitude. Uh, they do annual exercises, and we watch those closely, but this is different. Um, so we'll, we'll continue to monitor it very, very closely. But, yes, it does feel different. We'll come back to the room and uh, go go out to David. Um, since the president has ruled out sending U.S. troops into Ukraine, does that mean that the U.S. military would not be used if uh, an evacuation of uh, Kiev became necessary? Um, as you've indicated, uh, David, the president's been real clear uh, that he does not intend to... Uh, Put combat troops uh, into uh, into Ukraine to, uh, for the purpose of uh, conducting combat operations. Um, any troops that we deploy, uh, if we deploy troops to the region, or those troops that that are already in the region, have have uh, multiple capabilities. And so, as we conduct our planning, we uh, always look at a range of, of uh, options that gobbledygook uh, that what you know we may have to pursue. Uh, but uh, but again, uh, to the point that you made earlier, David, the president has been clear about uh, not employing troops in, in Ukraine for combat. All right. Uh, purposes. I want to hear the general now. Hold on. Hold on. Is that rule out using U.S. troops for evacuation purposes? Uh, I won't uh, speculate, uh, David, but I will right. say that this is bureaucratic stuff. Stop, prepare- stop, 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 stop. You need a kick ass secretary of defense. You need a kick ass secretary of state and you need a kick ass president. Uh, we got Joe Biden, we got, Je- uh, what's his name, Tony Blinken, and we've got this guy who seems to be afraid to say anything. Uh, 
I would love to hear from the general, General Milley, just because he's such a snake. Don't forget, this guy so betrayed. Man, the only thing, one of the biggest mistakes. Look, every president makes some mistakes, including Trump. He should have fired that guy. He should have launched him right after that phony baloney apology. Hey, by the way, today is January 28th. January 28th. So on this day in 1986, the uh, Challenger blew up, the space shuttle. And uh, do you remember where you were? I remember where I was. Uh, where the hell was I? I was taking a English midterm in Garden City High School in the gymnasium. The big test. So we all went to the gym. And a teacher came in to tell us. I remember he had a beard. A very distinguished looking guy. And he gave us the news. And I was shocked because, well, Krista McAuliffe was on that uh, was on that flight. And we had heard about her, you know. Anyway, there's a very important lesson to be learned from what happened on that day. Very important. And I don't care what your job is, from bus driver to CEO. It's something you can incorporate right now when we come back. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions. Entertaining and informative. So where were you? Let me know. 800-848-WABC. I was taking that English midterm. I had no idea. Well, I knew Krista McAuliffe was about to go into space, but we weren't on the edge of our seats. Nobody had cell phones back then, and they came in and gave us the news. Anyway, here's the launch and uh, all the way up and through the big bad moment. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and listen as it happened. Four, three, two, one, and liftoff. Liftoff of the 25th Space Shuttle mission, and it has cleared the tower. Minute 15 seconds, velocity 2900 feet per second, altitude 9 nautical miles, down range distance 7 nautical miles. Our controllers here looking very carefully at the situation. Obviously, a major malfunction. We have no downlink. We have a report from the flight dynamics officer that the vehicle has exploded. Flight director confirms that we are uh, looking at. Uh, Checking with the recovery forces to see uh, what can be done at this point. All right, so it's kind of compressed there. You had the launch, then you had the explosion. You heard the guy say major malfunction. Obviously a major malfunction. Lost all seven astronauts. Um, That was just wild, and we saw it all on TV that night or that afternoon. And then we found out that this could have been avoided, and there were a number of people who knew that those O-rings were in danger of not working because it was so cold outside. It was so cold outside, the engineers, what was the name of that company? Morton Thiokol. They built those solid rocket boosters, and they had engineers in Florida. They also had engineers in Utah where they built the damn thing, and a lot of them were really concerned. Like, we've never tested it. We've never had a launch this cold. These things can shrink in the cold. We could have an explosion. We could have a massive failure. So... The bosses, the higher-ups, um, a combination of NASA officials and uh, Morton Thiokol, I'm pretty sure it was more NASA than the than the contractor, were kind of like, uh, yeah, that's not the answer we're looking for here. All right? No, we want to launch today. We need to launch. We need to stay on schedule. So you guys got to give us the, the okay, and you got to put it in writing. And some engineers refused to uh, sign it, but they, I don't think they put up enough of a fight. I know some did, but... Uh, yikes. 
So you have always got to. By the way, there's an amazing film. It's called Challenger: The Final Flight. Challenger: The Final Flight. It's uh, on Netflix. You can see it. It's multi-part series, and uh, here's the trailer, and it gives you an idea of uh, of uh, the screw up, the screw up that um, the human failure. Yes, there was a mechanical failure, but there was a human failure as well. Cut forty three. We're on the cutting edge of technology and discovery. This coming January, a space shuttle will be launched carrying one of America's teachers. The shuttle flies like a commercial aircraft. Challenger, you are free to take off now. The voice came on the loudspeaker and said the vehicle has exploded. If you lived through the 70s, the country needed something to feel good about. NASA said we're looking for our first group of astronauts to fly a space shuttle. We're going to open space up to more people. First Asian American to fly. First woman, the first African American. I had the thoughts of science and space, astronauts. That wasn't the kind of thing a black kid thought about. You know, how do you get to do something like that? They were wonderful. We were about to start an interesting journey together. Krista believed that she could do extraordinary things. She also believed that everybody could do extraordinary things. She had full faith in NASA. NASA was always the good guys, the right stuff. You realize they're really rolling the dice. My dad, he said, I don't care who you tell. The shuttle is going to explode. Three, two, one. How could they let this happen? Sounds pretty it was cool, a mad right? Rush to try to get experts to tell you what could have gone wrong. After the accident, I didn't know what to believe. I didn't know who to blame. So we all looked for what we could do. It was horrible for the kids. We had the story already going to publish it one way or the other. This wasn't how it was supposed to be. This wasn't the end of the story. Wow. Anyway, you can see this on Netflix, Challenger, The Final Flight. It didn't have to happen. There was a guy famously said, the engineers were in like, and they said, no way, man, this is going to blow up. And the guy says, I need you guys, I need you engineers to stop being engineers and start thinking like managers. We need to make this launch happen. You know that old can do. I don't want to hear about the excuses. I don't want to hear about your problems. Let's make it happen. Well, that's one thing if you're trying to put together a PowerPoint damn presentation. Another if you're going to launch a damn rocket with seven human beings inside. And by the way, Judith Resnick, Ron McNair, Gregory Jarvis, uh, Krista McAuliffe, Dick Scobie, Ellison Onizuka and uh, Commander Smith. Um, and it was a very diverse group. Very diverse, including a, a civilian. And uh, uh, Judith Resnick, I remember here. I remember hearing all these little things. She had the perfect SAT score. Ron McNair was the valedictorian of his high school class, PhD from um, MIT. So afterwards, they formed something called the Rogers Commission, I believe. It was Secretary of State Rogers. He was Secretary of State under Nixon. And guess who his co-chairman was? I think a great guy, Neil Armstrong. 
And they looked at this thing and they found out, like, what the hell is wrong with NASA? What happened? You guys became complacent. You guys became complacent. Not for the first time, by the way. And it's pretty weird. Wild coincidence that there have been three major fatal mishaps for NASA for the space program. Apollo 1, when those astronauts were on the pad and there was the fire in the capsule. That was in 1967, I believe. And then there was the Columbia explosion mishap when the plane disintegrated, when it was reentering the Earth's atmosphere. So what's kind of crazy about this stuff, it, they all happened within three days of each other. January 28th today through February 1st, different years, but those mishaps happen just right around now. This is the season. Uh, January 28th, Apollo 1, and Columbia was on February 1st. I think uh, Apollo 1 was on January 3rd. I'll double-check that. Uh, But it was definitely between now and February 1st. So uh, next time you're in a meeting and the boss wants it, and I've always had this problem, by the way. It's not always a good feature to have, but if I know something is wrong or I think something can be done better, I'm usually the guy who's going to stick up my hand. And I've been in meetings before where, you know, you're not supposed to say anything, you know, and the boss wants to hear a certain thing, doesn't want to, just, 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 I've never been able to be that guy. Well, pretty much never been able to be that guy. And I'm not talking about where I work right now. They love an open, free expression of ideas. I really mean that. But not every place is, uh, encourages that. You know what I mean? And this is how we got into the Iraq war, by the way. Because Dick Cheney did not want to hear that there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. He knew the conclusion he wanted, and he forced those CIA drones, analysts, to come give him the answer he wanted. And they did. They know where their bread bread is buttered. You can't piss off the vice president. Oh, boy, he could cut our funding. He could cut our funding. Everybody, when did America become just a lot of wimps out there? Sorry. A lot of wimps. Good our funding. And I can be wimpy, too. You know, I know I, uh, I need a job. We all have dependents and that kind of thing. But as a culture, I think we should reward. Well, then again, then you got those crazy whistleblowers standing up every 10 seconds, usually for not on the merits, but for some crazy political agenda they have. Speaking of which, um, Where are those guys? Uh, Oh, remember all the people who went after Donald Trump? Remember all the people who uh, testified during the uh, Ukraine impeachment? Remember these people? The swamp. Swamp creatures. Vinman, Fiona Hill, Marie Yovanovitch. They're all over the place uh, bashing Trump. And um, but back then, oh, boy, oh, no, we're not political. We're not at all partisan. Listen to this. Cut 28. I take great pride in the fact that I'm a non-partisan foreign policy expert who has served under three Republican and Democratic presidents. For the best part of three decades, I've built a career as a non-partisan, non-political national security professional focusing on Europe and Eurasia and especially the former Soviet Union. I come before you as an American citizen who has devoted the majority of my life 33 years, to service to the country that all of us love. I joined the Foreign Service during the Reagan administration and subsequently served three other Republican presidents 
as well as to Democratic presidents. I've dedicated my entire professional life to the United States of America. For more than two decades, it has been my honor to serve as an officer in the United States Army. As an infantry officer, I served multiple overseas tours, including South Korea and Germany, and I was deployed to Iraq for combat operations. They're just heroes. Just ask them, right? Swamp figures, swamp creatures. How dare we question the swamp? You know how they talk about the men and women of the State Department, the men and women of the armed forces, the men and women of the Foreign Service. Yeah, men and women. So what? The men and women of WABC Radio. So what? You work there. So what? We didn't elect you. We elected Trump. Okay? And you thought you knew better. And you saw how, you listen to how self-righteous they are, how non-partisan they are. All right? But once they did their, once they fulfilled their obligations to the swamp, let's hear how non-partisan these folks are. Cut 29. Let's just put it this way. Donald Republican, he's not a conservative. He wasn't part of the party. He's hijacked the party and the apparatus. He's bullied members of Congress and the Senate from the Republican Party into submission. President Trump was surprised that he was president. He was unready to govern. He was always looking forward for the next uh, opportunity to continue his enterprise and continue to profit off his office. Did you feel threatened? I did. How so? It kind of felt like a vague threat. And so I wondered what that meant. It concerned me. Concerned me. It concerned me. They all bragged about how nonpartisan they were. Um, very, very partisan. And now, one of the, first of all, all those idiots you just heard from, they've all written books. But a book wasn't good enough for Vindman. Remember him? We talked about him yesterday with that silly... Uh, you know, the fat body who's uh, too fat for the military, but not too fat to testify before Congress about um, his observations about a phone call shouldn't even been on. Now, it wasn't enough to give him a phony book that nobody would read or a phony job at a phony think tank that uh, he doesn't even have to do or show up for. Now he's acting in Hollywood and hanging out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's unbelievable. Uh Lance Corporal Vinman, I mean, Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, retired. Let's just call him, what's his name again? Lance Vinman. Vinman is acting with uh, Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO. Cut 30. I heard the call, Larry. Well, I'm concerned by the call. It was a perfect call. That call was far from perfect. What are you going to do? I'm going to transcribe that call. And I'm sending it to the head of the Santa Monica City Council. Why, why, why would you do that? It's the right thing to do to report it. It's my duty. Your duty, your duty. Come on, enough with your duty. It's too much duty. You're off duty. <laughs> All right. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Larry David. Cut the crap, uh, Alex. Yeah, I got, uh, I got mixed feelings about him sometimes. But no, bad guy. Shouldn't have done it. Should have listened to his old man. You know, I think the Vinmans are from uh, Brooklyn, actually. Hey, in the 1970s, do you remember on TV they had this show called Scared Straight? And they would bring juvenile delinquents and young criminals, you know, who were kind of getting in minor trouble with the law. You know, bring them into Rawway State Prison and freak them out so they wouldn't get in more serious trouble. Now, it didn't work, but it was one hell of a TV show. Cut 31. Keep your eyes on me the whole time I'm talking. 
If I decide to jump up in that goddamn ceiling, you better have your eyes right in the bottom of my feet. Come on, goddammit. Act like you changing to go hang out. You need some help, something? That's right. Now, I took that. Huh? You can't talk? I said, how did you feel? You gonna do something about that? No. But you know how they showed me? By taking my out right out of my head. Look. You see it? Stab me all up in the front and in the back. How tough could I have been? Tell me. See, you got that up attitude. You want to be like me. Wow. It would have worked if I had to go through that program on me, but it doesn't work overall in the big picture, and they're still trying to copy it. But the program they came up with is actually pretty lame. That actually looked like it. Who knows? I mean, that was interesting. I got to show you some of the stuff they're pushing now. They're throwing even more money into it. This is Eric Adams's idea of turning the city around. It won't work. None of his little small ideas will work. It's time for something big. Be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. All right, who's on the phone? Uh, Walker in Paramus, hello. Greg, good afternoon. Um, the Viton O-ring, you can look in any O-ring guidebook, and Viton has no elastomeric properties below 32 degrees. It has no memory. It. Uh, what are you talking about? Before. Wait, what? The O-rings, the Viton O-rings that blew up on the shuttle. The O-rings, okay, the O-rings. The O-ring. Yeah. That was an O-ring failure that caused that. That was basically an O-ring failure. All you had to do was look in an O-ring catalog. You didn't have to kill all those people. Anybody could have done that. But well, anyway, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Anybody could have done that. I mean, they were doing that. The O-rings, the guys who knew, the engineers, they knew. It wasn't, they weren't get. they knew. And they said, we got a problem here. And they were told to shut up. You know that, right? I know, but I mean, Greg, you just look in a catalog. This I'm telling you to forget the catalog. They knew it. These guys wrote the catalog. All right, they 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 designed the damn thing, and they knew they were going to have a problem. They had scientific data. It wasn't like they were shocked. They knew ahead of time. They knew ahead of time. That's the really crazy thing about it. And then they were basically browbeaten into silence. Don't talk about it because that's not what we want to hear right now. We want to launch. Anyway, what else? The other thing, it's just like the shot today, the vaccine. You got the guy who designed the mRNA, the patent holder, Robert Malone. He says, hey, not so quick. And they don't want to hear that. Greg? Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, and he's not alone. And they don't. They just keep telling you, get more vaccines. The guy at the top, the big guy, Joe Biden and I is Stooge, Fauci. They don't want to hear that. Um, It's unbelievable. You can't, um, they want to censor the scientists they don't agree with. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're all about the science, except the science they don't agree with. Then they want to censor it. Walker, thank you. Uh, let's see, Ed in North Babylon. Hello. Uh, you're totally right, Greg. Uh, hey, G-Man, I wanted to say, yeah, I'm a scientist. I'm a nuclear medicine technologist, and I was going to tell you, I was doing my clinical rotation at the Northport VA when the Challenger blew up. I saw it on a uh, monitor brought the rest of the students in and the whole faculty had changed it was like a wake basically uh i didn't i feel like that today again since i put your show on uh i thought i was just having a problem with my snow thrower fixing it but now i'm i'm kind of reliving that uh and i know i went to the beach afterwards in my lab coat and i i tramped out in the sand 
your hearts touch all shores and minds. We we uh, we hope you have peace. I don't know, something like that. Wait, what? Uh, you went to the beach after it blew up and you uh, had a moment? Yeah, I, I, I tramped out with my feet. I wrote this big message in the sand, and I had about 60, 70 people standing there reading it and helping me. But you said— uh, Why did you take uh, it so hard? I mean, why did you—I mean, it was a bad day, but, you know, I mean— well, well. Well, we are, we're all scientists. There were scientists. Oh, that angle. Yeah, scientific community. Sure, sure, sure. Tell me uh, more. What you, said about, what you said about not standing up for things. Uh, I heard a fellow on Rita Cosby's show last night who did Uber, and he picked up a couple of those uh, illegals that came from uh, the airport or somewhere, and he knew it, and they, they couldn't speak the language. And he said, well, he just well, he figured he'd go about his day. Myself? I don't know where I would have taken them. I know some TSA agents. Uh, I, 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 you know, I think we should do a sting operation and put some in the beginning and the end of that and see uh, where it goes and follow. Nah, the I'm not gonna. It's not up for us to round up immigrants. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I'm uh, not. We'll, we'll let ICE handle that. Those guys are good. But Ed, thank you, thank you. Interesting story. We'll be right back. I'm not surprised, not surprised. The hero cop who died last week, along with uh, Officer Morrow, Officer Jason Rivera, his funeral happened just a little while ago, just 22 years old. Well, his wife, Dominique, spoke at the funeral, and she gave it. She gave it to Alvin Bragg and anybody else who's been failing the cops lately. Good for her. The whole world was watching, and she Utilize this moment, and good for her. Just lost her husband, 22 years old, everything in front of them. What did she say? You have the whole nation on gridlock, and although you won't be here anymore, I want you to live through me. The system continues to fail us. We are not safe anymore, not even the members of the service. I know you were tired of these laws, especially the ones from the new DA. I hope he's watching you speak through me right now. Wow. That's messages for you, Alvin Bragg, who I believe was in the church. Alvin Bragg, the new New York County DA, Manhattan DA, who on day one announced that he's not going to send uh, people to prison, even if they're convicted of armed robbery. He's not going to bother sentencing uh, criminals when they resist arrest or even considering that an offense. So Alvin Bragg right now, and I think there's a glimmer of hope here, he's freaked out. He's freaked out. You know, we have five district attorneys. Ever since Morgenthau left the stage, you never hear really a peep out of them. You know, they just do their job. No. Now we're seeing what corrupt fools they are. Those guys used to be giants, and then they faded away. Hey, real quick, who's the DA of the Bronx? Who's the DA in uh, in Brooklyn? Who's the DA in Queens? Do you know any of these guys? Staten Island. Now, I kind of know. Actually, shoot, do I? Katz is in uh, Queens. Gonzalez is in uh, uh, Brooklyn. Uh, but these guys, have they're not as prominent. So you, he thought he could sneak through his radical, crazy agenda. He got 86,000 votes. 86,000 votes made Alvin Bragg the district attorney 
of the most prestigious, the most beautiful county in the world. And now he's feeling the heat because we want our district attorneys to be aggressive, to fight crime. You fooled a couple of weirdo, wacko uh, nincompoops who vote in that Democrat primary. 86,000 votes in a city of 8 million. He's undoing the very essence of uh, society. So he's freaked out. He's feeling the pressure. I just saw a tweet where he's expressing sympathy for those lost and vowing to prosecute and all that stuff. You better mean it. This is another test for Kathy Hochul. It's a big one, actually. Can she apply pressure to keep this guy in check? Now, technically, I think she's got the power to fire this guy. Is that true? I don't think she'd ever pull the trigger. Remember Cuomo talking about, could I fire de Blasio? Yes. Should I fire de Blasio? Maybe. Will I be thinking about it? I won't tell you. You know, all that stuff. He was just having fun with it. I bet he regrets not firing that guy now. That would have been great. That would have been awesome. Uh, all right, what else do we want to talk about here? How you feeling, by the way? It's Friday. That's good. Snowing. Is it me or is everybody kind of overreacting to this snow? We had plans for this weekend. People were calling, oh, I think we should cancel. I don't know. It's just here. Snow, snow. Were we like this? Uh, were we like this in the 80s? Were we? I don't think we were that freaked out by the weather. But everybody is just panicking. All panicking. America panics. You know who's not panicking right now? The head of Ukraine. The head of Ukraine is like telling Joe Biden, why are you working this thing up into a frenzy? We're not worried. Back the hell off. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Hey, you want to hear? Uh, you want to hear President Trump? What it's like with him on the golf course? Cut thirty-seven. First on tee, forty-fifth president of the United States. Forty-fifth and forty-seven. Forty-seven. Yes, yes. I, love that. I love that, Mr. Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't that awesome? Trump National. And he made a great shot. So 45th and 47th. That's fantastic. I could totally see that happening. Now, uh, you know, in the fake news, they always rip on Trump for going golfing, especially when he was president, cut 40. President Trump spent today at his golf resort, which he did as well yesterday and the day before that. In fact, today marks the 94th day President Trump has visited one of his golf clubs. The president is taking some heat for golfing this Memorial weekend. President Trump seems to have played golf at least 10 times in his first two months. We're able to quantify broadly just how much golf this president plays, or should I say just how much work he's been doing throughout his presidency. They think whenever he golfs, he's just blowing off uh, his responsibilities. The guy's working like a lunatic on the golf course. Take a look at this. Uh, Listen to this. Cut 41. Make a big high tee over here. Okay. Make it high. Now, where else are you putting tees here, Martin? I don't like the bottle. I don't like the size. I don't like the label. Other than that, it's <laughs> Get smart. Use your brain, okay? You know what? Who cares? Get it done and don't spend a lot. How about this? <laughs> uh, when he shows up at a golf course that he owns, that he developed, that he operates, he's not relaxing. 
And uh, it's good to have a president with talent in something, with a real skill set in something that can actually inform uh, his work. I mean, knowing something is great, knowing and having skill. All of these politicians, most of the time, and that's why they're so inept, they run around raising money, getting themselves reelected and reelected and reelected. It's all about that. They have very little time left over, very little bandwidth. I'm even talking about the giants, the big ones. You can look it up. Schumer spends like a crazy amount of time working the phones, raising money. That's what it's about. Did I tell you I once wanted to run for Congress a while ago, maybe 15 years ago, and I was boning up on all the policies because I had meetings with the people. I had meetings with the people who uh, you, know, you have to meet with. In Congress, you know, the, 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 the Congressional Campaign Committee, you know, I get there and I know all my policies and I know what I want to do and I know what my opinions are and I want to talk about governance. I felt like such a schmuck. You know what they wanted to talk about? Money. How much money do you got and how much can you get? That's all they wanted to talk about. It was a big lesson for we, Greg Kelly. It really was. But anyway, it's good to know something in politics because if you don't know anything, you turn out like Joe Biden. So uh, I'm surrounded by cops here outside. You see them all over the place for this big funeral. And um, uh, so they're on my mind. Imagine Joe Biden, as he's going to do next week, advising uh, Eric Adams about law enforcement. Now, neither of these guys knows anything. And here's proof. Uh, Well, Eric Adams, you just heard last. Remember when he said he needs uh, his brother to protect him because... All the white supremacists who want to get at him. Remember that? Okay, so he knows nothing. And this is even worse. Joe Biden. Joe Biden talking about law enforcement. Cut 42. Why is a police officer showing up to the suicide threat? Someone trying to jump off a building. More social workers there. We need more psychologists there. They need help. <laughs> Because cops are just going to show up and start blasting. Oh, wait a second. I'm sorry. We didn't finish that thought on the uh, scared straight situation. One more time. Scared straight. A uh, documentary from the 70s. It was a uh, documenting a program where they would send juvenile delinquents to hardcore maximum security prison for like three hours. And the guys would uh, would give them little pep talks about uh, don't lead a life of crime or else you'll end up in here. It went something like this. Cut 31. Keep your eyes on me the whole time I'm talking. If I decide to jump up in that goddamn ceiling, you better have your eyes right in the bottom of my feet. Come on, goddammit. Act like you changing to go hang out. You need some help, something? That's right. Now, I took that. Huh? You can't talk? I said, how did you feel? You gonna do something about that? But you know how they showed me? By taking my out right out of my head. Look. You see it? Stab me all up in the front and in the back. How tough could I have been? Tell me. See, you got that up attitude. You want to be like me. Oh, boy, man, that would scare the hell out of me. But it didn't really scare these kids. Scared them for like 10 seconds, and then they were back to being, you know, whatever. So they've updated this program. Uh, they don't yell and scream at people's faces, but uh, they got some former criminals and some nice guys, too, and people in the community who want to... Uh, Encourage the young people not to engage in violence. They call this the Violence Interrupter Program, and it started in Chicago. Guess who's copying it? New York, right? It's it's not a thing. It really isn't. It's never worked, and it sucks up a surprising amount of money because they're always wearing 
you know, jackets and hats and, you know, setting up these little uh, youth camp things. And, you know, just uh, it's it, it's it, it costs more money than you think. But listen to what they're talking about. If you really listen, well, if you listen casually, you think it sounds great. But I want you to really listen to what they're talking about. And you tell me, is this going to actually fight crime? Is this going to reduce violence? The violence interrupter program, a bunch of people wearing jackets, some former criminals wanting to set people straight. Nice thought, but it doesn't work. Cut 32. This one of the guys from the neighborhood, he see us out here every day. He rock with us. He, you know, let us know when it's a good time, when it's a bad time. We help them out as much as we can. We just want the police to be better and more responsible, and we want to be a part of that solution. We'll go right on the corner where the guys be at, right on their hot spot, right on their corner, and we'll just post up and pass out hot dogs and food until 1 in the morning. Hot dogs and food until 1 in the morning. Good luck with that. Be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. All right, time for some calls. Uh, ooh, Dimitri is on the line. Dimitri, how are you? Craig, you're on. I I was listening to you earlier, and you mentioned this Colonel Whitman, Ukraine stuff. Yeah. And I uh, have a question, actually, and see if you look. Hey, wait a second. Uh, Dimitri, Dimitri, are you from Ukraine yeah. or Russia or anything like that? No. I was born in the Soviet Union in what today is called Belarus. Uh-huh. Very close. All right. All right. Okay. So what's up? So, so Whitman was born in the Soviet Union also. Okay. So when he came here, he joined the military after things, and he became colonel and all that stuff. I was in the military when I came in here. Right. Uh I was going to get drafted. I beat the draft, joined the Air Force, spent my four years from 62 to 65. And I was told when I was in that because I was born in the Soviet Union, my security clearance could not go anything higher than secret. I could now, uh, like Whitman, he was in the White House listening to the president. And I don't understand is the... Uh, well, it's uh, different now. I mean, change. wait, yeah, the rules did change. I mean, you, you you were in the military 60 years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's changed since then. And Vindman came over here as a kid. I have no problem with where he came from. America's one of my best friends from the military wasn't even a citizen. He was from he was Korean and he was from Korea and he was a Korean citizen and he was in the military. It was pretty wild. So it doesn't matter. Um it doesn't matter. And I I don't think there was any question about uh, allegiance. Now, it does get the only real prohibition I know about that is if you're married to somebody from another country. If you're married to somebody from another country who is a citizen of another country, not they were born there 30 years ago, but if they were a citizen, that's where the uh, security clearance gets a little uh, uh, little involved. But no, things have changed. Uh, Dimitri, uh, so uh, that's a long time ago. How old are you? Forgive me. Right now, I'm 81. All right. So, So, uh, you know, I knew three languages, and I thought they could use me into some positions where I could help, you know, the military, etc. But because of that rule, 
I could not uh, go any higher than that. Yeah, but it was different back then. It was different back then. The Cold War was raging. You know, the Soviet Union still existed. Everybody was nervous around Russians. You know that. Yes, I understand that. But even this guy, you know, I understand he still has, Whitman, allegiance to Ukraine. Well, you know, it's interesting. You remind me of something. He's over there. On one of a, uh, he's he went with the Secretary of Defense or some ambassador, maybe it was the Vice President, and he's talking to the Ukrainian delegation a little bit too much, and one of the Ukrainian officials actually approached him about being the Ukrainian Defense Minister. I mean that is uh, so you could one could talk about his loyalty. And at one point, he was advising the Ukrainians what to say to the American officials. And that does suggest um, divided loyalties. But I'll say this. Just because he was born over there doesn't mean that he was not entitled to a security clearance if everything else checked out. And I think everything else did. But the guy had terrible judgment. And uh, I think he should pay a price for that. Right now, it looks like he's uh, flourishing with all of his Hollywood opportunities and all that stuff. Hey, Dimitri, thank you. Thanks for listening. Uh, got one other. Glenn in Queens. Yes, sir. Hello. Yes, sir. Hi. I talked to you before. I, I did that shock program before. Uh, I was a correctional officer for 21 and a half what's years. What's the tone? What's what's big chiming, chiming, chiming in the background? Oh, I'm sorry. My What is that? Thing is off. Yeah, I'm in my car. <sighs> I'm sorry. Uh... I was uh, I did the shock program and they took the kids in there in a C seventy six Rikers Island and uh, I I got called a cracker and it, it pissed me off but you know what the other people took care of it so when you were telling wait me a you, second hold on a second hold on a second wait uh, you were there as a corrections officer or as a delinquent why why would you say delinquent. I don't understand in what capacity you were in the shock program. I was a correction officer at C-76. All right, and somebody called you a cracker. Yes. That's it? They called you worse than that, didn't they? Yes. Yes. Yes, no kidding. All right, so what do we do with that? Do me a favor. i got to put you on hold. They're playing the music. Thank you, Glenn. I want to hear the rest of this. Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. You know what's really a nice thing, quite frankly, that I have uh, picked up over the past five years or so? Not drinking. Uh, It was almost impossible to not have a couple of glasses of uh, wine or something else during the week and then definitely on the weekends and you spent, I was spending way too much time, uh, like not feeling good from the night before. So recuperating and while you're recuperating, you can't do too much of anything else. And, uh, I'm just so glad that nonsense is out of my life. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, if you're thinking about it, it's just, um, and you ever notice, uh, if you do drink, sometimes you're really anxious the next day. And my wife explained this to me once your, your head has only so many, pleasure chips per day it's a chemical biochemical thing and if you drink a lot you know that euphoric feeling that can come 
Well, you're using up all your pleasure chips, and then you go into the next day's supply. So you don't have that's why you're that's one of the reasons why you're so anxious the next day. At least I was. Made a hell of a lot of sense to me. All right, wait a second. Larry was a corrections officer at Rikers Island forty seven years ago, forty six years ago, and he's still traumatized by that guy who called him a cracker. Is that right, Larry? Oh, wait a second. No, wait, wait, wait. Was that Larry or Glenn? Who told us that story? Sorry, Larry, hold on a second. I'll be right with you. Glenn, you're the guy who was called a cracker in 1976, right? No, not seven. No, the name of the jail was C-76. You should know that. You're a police. How the hell would I know that? I've not been to jail. I'm not. I, 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 I know Rikers. You're a smart person. I don't know the layout of Rikers Island, nor do I intend to find out. I know Rikers is a jail. And it's the biggest one as far as cell block 17. I don't know that stuff. But anyway, Glenn, you did say somebody called you a cracker, and that was a big deal. And, and what happened? It was a big deal to me because the, the African-American officers that I worked with, they looked and go, what are you going to do? And I went, I'm not doing nothing. Guess what happened? I don't know. Well, the kid learned his lesson. I think you're uh, speaking in code for uh, they beat him up. Uh, no, no. It was a, no. What'd you do? They were children. They're 15 years old. I don't. All right. So what happened? Sports, Just say it. But they said to me, I'm a, a person of a correction officer. You're a cracker. And I went, whoop. I think you should. What? <laughs> Somebody. Hello? Yeah, that's my wife. That's my wife. She's advising you to get off the phone because this story is not making anybody look good, I have a feeling. Uh, yeah. What I'm saying right. is what? They, the correction officers that were at work were trying to do the right job and with, with the shock program. And obviously it didn't work. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you very much. I'm glad you made it out of there, I think. Glenn, thank you. Best to the wife. Larry in Staten Island. Hi. Uh, Mr. Fabishan, good afternoon. I want to offer my condolences to the families of our slain police officers. Why did you start with that Mr. Fabishan comment? What's that all about? Because you and I are honeymooners fans. Well, you can't make a joke and then offer condolences to the cops in the same sentence. Well, I'm sorry. I'm all, sorry all right, all right, all right. Take it from the top. I know you feel all bad right. for the cops. All Everybody right. does. It's bad. It's really, really bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. My com- my comment is uh, against uh, Jackass Joe Biden. Uh, here he goes again, Mr. Law Enforcement. Uh, he's got this thing about having a, a psychologist and psychiatrist respond to EDP jobs. Yeah. Uh, number one. Uh, hey, here it is right now. I want to play it one more time. It's so much fun. Cut 42. Why is a police officer showing up to the suicide threat? Someone trying to jump off a building. Social workers there. We need more psychologists there. They need help. Yeah, right. Joe thinks every time he talks to a cop, he thinks he's getting arrested. He's told stories every time he talks to a cop. It's like, I was arrested by a cop. I was arrested. I was arrested. And what does he think cops are going to do when they show up at a suicide situation? Just start blasting? He's a dumb guy. All right, Larry, uh, wrap it up if you don't mind. Okay. First of all, they're, they're not armed with, uh, with not only the weapons. Uh, number two, they're not trained. And uh, number three, 
the, when the first one gets thrown around like a rag doll, that'll be the end of that. Yeah. And number four, where are you going to get a psychiatrist at 4 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> yeah. And who's going to climb up a bridge? And then let's say the guy changes his mind. Then you got to climb down, and you need all those ropes and pulleys and equipment. It's a ludicrous idea, but it just it's it's so valuable though because you sh- it shows how little Joe knows about anything, and there he is, the president of the United States, shooting his mouth off about this stuff. Why is a police <laughs> officer showing up to the suicide threat? Someone trying to jump off a building. Yeah, more social workers there. Oh, social workers. We need more right. psychologists there. Uh, four in the morning. They need help. Oh, just you're right, Larry. The four in the morning aspect too. All right. Oh, it's Irene. Is this the Irene who's waiting on her book? Yes. Hey, how are you? How are you? Hey, listen. Uh, I heard you mention me yesterday, so I wanted to let you know I was listening to yeah. your Bible story. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Now, do me a favor. I do have your address. Uh, just for my own records, I need your address again. Would you mind? No, but I wanted to tell you something else, too, because you were just talking about how nice it is to not be drinking. Yes. I celebrated 19 years on January 23rd. Good for you. We have a lot of we have a lot of um, simpatico, right? Indeed, indeed. So let me ask you this: uh, What do they say at the AA thing? Are you a friend of Bill? I am a friend of Bill. That's exactly what they say. So the thing is, if you're a friend of Bill, uh, that means that you go to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, which was invented by some guy named Bill. What's his last name? Do you know? Wilson. Bill Wilson. Bill Wilson. Anyway, well, that's terrific. Um, uh, yeah. one, uh, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, life is it so is much a good better. lifestyle. So much better. It is. It is. Look, I went to AA a handful of times, and it was uh, – I heard a couple of good little gems in there that, that stayed with me. I remember the first time I wanted to go to a meeting, and I did go to a meeting, and I was so embarrassed, and I was hemming and hawing, and I couldn't find it. It was in some church basement. I'm looking around for it, and this guy goes, uh, uh, can I help you? And I didn't know what to say, and I'm like, oh, well, uh, he says, are you here for the meeting? And I said, yeah. He said, downstairs. And I said, thank you. And he patted me on the back as I was going. It was really nice, and everybody was just so nice when I got there. But uh, anyway, well, Irene, what do we do next? Well, um, I give you my address again. Ah, yes, I'm going to put you on hold. And I do have your address, I, uh, but it's it, you know what I do with addresses now? I take a picture of it. And I got 10,000 pictures, and every time I got one, you know what I mean? you got to go find – anyway, let's get her address one more time, okay? Thank you, Irene. All the best. Thanks so much. How about that? All those years sober. Is it still – hold on a second. All right. It's not snowing at all right now, and it's just kind of wet outside. And, oh, by the way, it's not even that cold. What's the temperature out there right now? New York One says it's 33 degrees. Not bad, but they're still pushing this winter storm warning – Everybody I know in Connecticut, got a lot of friends up there, they are particularly anxious about the snow. I don't really understand uh, their um, their edginess about it all. Do you? I just don't think it's a big deal. Uh, ooh, some guy in Freeport uh, wants to talk to us about the word cracker. Uh, sir, what's your name? I'm sorry, I can't figure that out. Who is this? Hello? From Freeport. Hailstrom. Hi, are you there? Yes. Do you know where the expression cracker came from? No. Well, wait a second. Stop. I would imagine it came from uh, like a saltine that's very, very white. That's my 
that's a guess. And that's what I've always assumed because crackers are white. Is this, uh, is this not the case? Cracking the whip. Now, also. Cracking the whip. That's what it's from. Huh. Now, I can solve the problem of these people crashing and stealing like the Miracle Mile. They stole the, the 50, 60 pocketbooks. We get the guardian angels and all, all laid off uh, people from the stages, the plays, and we dress them up like Holly Davidson, the motorcycle guys, Hell's Angels, and we even get a couple roller derby queens. So if they get past and they steal, the roller derby girls will chase them down and give them a block and knock them into a taxi cab. What do you think? Oh, yeah, it's a fantastic idea. That's fantastic. Get some cowboys. That Absolutely, yeah. With, with horses that they can hog tie them. Yep. No, nobody will rob. And uh huh. Stores have to pay for it. You gotta but believe I think, it. I think these stores are exaggerating. Well, you and me, and they we're want it to happen. I agree. And they say, oh, we took an eighty thousand dollar loss, and insurance pays for it. Meanwhile, they only lost twenty grand. Yeah, I know. Me too. All right. Anyway, keep up the good work. It's a great station. I'm so sorry that Curtis didn't. Get in. Uh, it's it's unfortunate because Curtis is very knowledgeable, extremely knowledgeable. He's got a photographic memory. Well, thanks for reminding me about Curtis because actually it's about time we bring him onto the show. Uh, is Curtis still here? Let's see if he's available. If you don't mind, I would love to chat with him. Thank you very much. I got to take a quick break. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. Hey, everybody. Um, apologies to Peter, Clyde, Madeline, John, Dave, Sam, and the rest. I'm hanging up on all of you. Please call back on Monday. I apologize to all of you because Curtis Sliwa just walked in the room, and we're going to spend our few last few minutes with Curtis. Curtis, quite frankly, I wish you were not here. I wish you were the mayor of this city. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's as bad as... It's worse than we imagined. It really is. Uh, are you frustrated? Are you? Uh, how do you feel? By the uh, way, good to see you. Very frustrated. Here it is. Uh, Eric Adams is the mayor, former cop, and he chooses on this week the loss of two police officers to say that all cops in the future should have to live within the five boroughs. So the 50 percent of the cops who now live outside of the city, Westchester, Rockland, uh, Putnam, Orange, Nassau, Suffolk, I guess they would not be worthy to be cops, even though some of them themselves have been shot and killed in the line of duty. You know, the implication being that that's part of the problem. You know, if you live in Rockland, if you live in Suffolk County, and a lot of cops do, half the force you mentioned, that that somehow contributed to what we saw last right. Friday night. But you see, I gave you a softball. You should have hit this Me out. A softball. What are you talking about? From a guy who was living in Fort Lee, New Jersey all this time. Well, that was your job, Curtis. Well, I, I did track <laughs> yeah. him down, apartment hey, 22H. Why did the press, and I have my own theories on yes, this, yes. Um, give him such a pass? Oh, Eric Adams. On. You know why? His complexion was his protection. Uh, here's a guy who was going to be the second African-American mayor to David Dinkins. And he said uh, as soon as he took one position, he would take the reverse position. So remember, he was going to be just like David Dinkins, his mentor who had been the worst mayor before de Blasio. Remember, 2,000 murders a year, 5,000 unsolved shootings. Now, hold on a second. Um, here's one thing I got to do, and don't worry. You know, look, this is a – I got to point this out about Dinkins. Um, 
You know he hired 2,000 new cops. Do you know who actually defeated the squeegee men? Who, who, who defeated the squeegee are, men? Are you saying that it was your father? Yes. And you know who will tell you that? Because he was at the end of the Dinkins administration. And even Bill Bratton, of all people, and I'm no Bill Bratton fan, but there's one honest thing he said. It's in his memoir that Dinkins and Kelly deserve the credit for the squeegee men. Yes, yes. No, there's no. A, there was a bit of a lag factor in, in terms of public perception, but... Uh, so, uh, but continue, please. Uh, no, but can you imagine this? Uh, here, the guy who lived in Fort Lee all this time is saying cops are not worthy if they live outside of the five boroughs. It is wild. And you, I like, quite frankly, complexion was his protection. Let's be real here. I do not care about his complexion, but unfortunately, a lot of white reporters did. And those reporters felt more comfortable going after you, going after um, Andrew Yang. Yes. Picking on the Asian guy somehow came more naturally to them than just being aggressive reporters across the board. And, by the way, when, uh, as you pointed out, when Eric Adams tried to justify bringing his brother back from the Commonwealth of University, uh, University of Commonwealth in Virginia, where he was vice president of parking <laughs> to make sure nobody had moved into the chancellor's parking spot or the handicap uh, parking spot in his golf cart, brought him back, said, I need him for my security detail to protect me from white supremacists. You know what I did, Greg Kelly, in honor of the fact that I want to see Eric Adams be safe and secure. I spent a whole week of my life that I'll never get back at Bed Bath & Beyond at the white cheat sale area to try to figure out if, in fact, there were any white supremacists in New York City because they would take advantage of that. (laughs) None showed up. No, <laughs> none. You, you really did this. You I did back. a whole week at Columbus Circle. Uh, a whole week. A whole week. You go all in. Hey, by the way, I go all in. Uh, we lost Sheldon Silver. Yes. Oh, the Meyer Lansky of uh, Democratic state politics. I suggest we check under the mattresses because that's where he kept all the schiatol. So uh, when you uh, were playing ring and run at his house, uh, <laughs> did he did he come to the door? What happened? Did he? No, no. This was interesting. It had been announced that he had early release from Otisville, upstate New York, the camp. He was in the camp. You got him thrown back in jail, yes, by the way. <laughs> yes, because I showed up at his co-op on the Lower East Side. I rang the bell. People said, ah, it's not going to say his name on it. I said, I know Shelly Silva. He's old school. His name was there. I rang the bell. He answered. I said, this is Curtis Lee with Shelly. Shelly said, I know, Curtis. So you know, you should be back in Otisville. Don't be going out anywhere. Curtis, I promise I won't be going out. The next thing you know, uh, the Department of Corrections uh, sent him back up because obviously somebody had cut him a sweetheart deal. That guy was a crook. When they buried him, they had to find a black and decker power drill to drill him into the ground. That's how crooked he was. Let me ask you something. Yes. We've talked about this before. I think it would be great. Listen, you've had an amazing life. Very colorful, let's face it. Some very, wild things. Very colorful. Uh, the Gaudis, uh, how many bullets oh. did they put inside? By, by the way, you missed the special last night. The Last Gangster, featuring three people, two hours, on well, ABC TV. Uh, uh, it was Sammy the Bull Gravano, John Gotti Jr., well, and Curtis Sleeve. Was it a triple feature? What are you talking well, about? Well, man, all three of us on for TV? two hours. That's right. You can get it on Hulu well, now. I, then if you're okay with so maybe you might be okay with this, because I would, I would think it'd be great for your soul. I think it'd be great for radio if you forgave the Gaudis. Really? Yeah. Uh, now, I understand you You are a believer of the New Testament. 
And I respect that, Greg. Well, I'm a Christian. I know, but I'm an Old Testament guy, even though I wasn't a Roman Catholic. You know, real Christians, as we say on Ash Wednesday. Uh, but you only find me in church. Uh, I'm an AMP Catholic. Ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday. Then you don't see me for a month of Sundays. I'm an old school, old type of guy. I don't turn my cheek. Well, I uh, you sure? I mean, what, what, like you got a lot of life left. I just all right. Forget about the before the New Testament. What was the te- the Old Testament? Right. Yeah, I but well, that's the thing. The Old if you, well, then, if you are a Christian, you yes. say you're Roman Catholic. Yeah. I mean, well, I was born, and I'm not way. saying that. Look, you're you're the one who was shot, so yeah, it's yeah, easy yeah, for me yeah, to yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> but I still think it'd be interesting if you guys at least had a talk. Uh, Greg, do would, you think would you, you ever would, do that? You would negotiate. You would be the shitach. You would negotiate a sit down. Well, I don't know how. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know how comfortable I feel about. Whoa, Knocking on doors second. at Howard Beach. Hold on a second. Well, now. let me ask you this. I think, I, I think, quite frankly, I am uh, in not to brag, but I think I'm high profile enough where they wouldn't mess with me. You know no, what I mean? No, no, they would not mess with you. Your last name is Kelly. You, so let me ask you're you sanctified. This. Would would you be okay if I worked on this to get you guys in a in a in a room with plenty of buffers and and security and things like that? Uh, Greg Kelly. Knock yourself out. Psych! Absolutely not. Oh, too bad. This guy is my enemy. I can't it's wait to years go ago. straight to hell without an asbestos suit. You know what? There's yeah. not a sin yeah. you can conceive of, almost, that mm. can't be forgiven. Now, remember, in the Roman Catholic Church, there used to be a place called Limbo, remember? Yeah, purgatory. What happened here? Well, there's purgatory. There's hell. Uh, we know hell is hot. But there was Limbo. Remember, it was for unbaptized babies. And then suddenly, poof, was gone. What happened to Limbo? Well, I uh, couldn't tell you because Limbo is before my time. <laughs> it really is. When people ask me things like, oh, what about this? I can say, like, to be honest, I've never heard of that. Or <laughs> I heard something about that from my neighbor, but I've yet to find it in the Bible. Uh, exactly. So Now, right. you're a man of God now. You're uh, definitely in deep into your Christian beliefs, which is forgive and forget. Well, but no, I it's cannot not, it's forgive, not, it's and not, I cannot forget. But well, you know what? The thing, the beautiful thing, is not just forgive them. Yes. If we want God to forgive us, we've done all kinds of things that we're not proud of. We we have to forgive others. How about this compromise? Just Your so father. I want you to think about that for a second. We want to be forgiven. So part of the equation, and I know I'm no minister, I'm no priest, I'm not an expert. I'm just, but if we want to be forgiven, it behooves us to forgive others. This is what I would suggest, Greg, as a compromise. Your father, Ray Kelly, longest serving uh, police commissioner in New York City history, was also the New York State boxing chairman for quite some time. I, I was at boxing matches with him. How about we schedule mixed martial arts match? John Gotti Jr. I got about what fifteen years on him, right? In the ring, let the best man win. And then we'll shake hands afterwards. After I give him a beat down. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see. Curtis, hey, I tried. All right. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.